Welcome to Video Store. My name is Sam Mulberry. Today we are talking about the 1946 John Ford film, My Darling Clementine. And uh, let's step into Barrett Fisher's Video Store but a little bit differently. Barrett, this is the first, I think this is episode 91. This is the first time we've ever been in the same room recording. Yes, this is very strange. Yeah, yeah. I'm somehow more nervous about this than, uh, than I, I normally would be. Um I'm so excited to talk about this movie. I've mentioned in the past that Westerns aren't necessarily my thing. So this movie had some work to do to try to win me over. And we'll talk about whether it did or not. Uh, But maybe to start with, what is your history with this film in particular? Yeah, I think I mentioned last week, Sam, that uh, several years ago, a friend of mine and I kind of embarked on watching a series of Westerns. Because I'm kind of like you. I don't have a natural affinity for Westerns. So I decided I had to figure out why Westerns were so popular, especially in the 40s and 50s. So I just watched My Darling Clementine as part of kind of a a run of those those films. Um, I started with Stagecoach. You know, I did a bunch of John Fords and uh, and then got to My Darling Clementine, which has interesting relationships with Stagecoach that we could talk about. Yeah, I actually want to talk a little bit about John Ford. We... I feel this is our first John Ford film yep. we've watched, but um, I definitely spent a lot of time with John Ford reading the Mark Harris book, um, Five Came Back, because Ford is a major character in mm-hmm. there. So I feel like I know things about him. But the movie I'm most familiar with is is Midway, or Battle of Midway, or whatever yep. that was called, yep. um, because I went back and watched footage of that after mm-hmm. – after, um, uh, after reading the book, because I was, it sounded so interesting that mm-hmm. I wanted to kind of see that. Um, this is the first thing Ford makes after he gets out of the service mm-hmm. uh, in World War II. Uh, I'm curious why this film for Ford. What, why is this the thing he wants to do when he gets gets back? Well, I think there's a lot of answer. I think there's a lot of ways to think about answering that question, Sam. And, and first of all, I should back up and say, just to remind listeners that this is the third 1946 film we've watched by directors just coming back from the war. So, I mean, one obvious answer is Ford is a master of the Western. Uh, he's, he's already established that. And the famous line about from John Ford said about himself, somebody asked him to introduce himself, he said, I'm John Ford, I, I make Westerns. So that's kind of, you know, a, a Ford's basic identity. But then secondly, I think My Darling Clementine is quite a, a different Western for, for Ford um, because it's really about the establishment or the reestablishment of civilized values. So if you think about somebody coming back from the war, the things that he saw in the war, the things he experienced in the war, it's interesting to me that he makes what is, I would almost describe it as a domestic Western. Uh, even though it's got the gunfight at OK Corral at the end, it's almost an afterthought. I mean, I was watching the film this time, and I was thinking, oh, wait a minute. We still have to have the gunfight. The film can't quite be over. But I really wasn't thinking about the gunfight. The Clantons kind of drop off for most of the film, and it really becomes about Doc Holliday and Wyatt and Clementine. So I think, to me, this is a bit of a stretch, but to me, it's a little bit like the other two films we've seen from this time. It's a little, it's a little bit like The Best Years of Their Lives, how do you put your life back together after the war? It's a little bit like it's a wonderful life, kind of discovering what your purpose in life is and uh, what you can contribute to the community. So to me, it's kind of got those those elements. In that sense, it's a post-war film. Well, it's interesting to think about for Henry Fonda, who went into the Navy pretty soon after the Oxbow mm-hmm. incident, this, I think think is his first movie mm. coming back or close to it uh and so it was also interesting to look at henry fonda and think, think like this is somebody who's now experienced some mm-hmm. some different things and he definitely plays a more um 
world weary character than mm-hmm. what we see in the Oxbow incident. Not that that person hasn't seen life, right. but um, but it definitely was was sort of a different uh, a different version of Henry Fonda. I'm wondering um, had had Fonda Fonda had worked with Ford before, right? Because Grapes mm-hmm. of Wrath is Ford, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Okay. Uh, uh, young Mr. Lincoln. Okay. Uh, yeah, he worked with Ford. In fact, famously, they worked together uh, quite a bit until Mr. Roberts. Uh, Mr. Roberts was a turning point. They uh, allegedly got into a fist fight on the set and never spoke to each other again. Um, but up until that point, oh, uh, behind John Wayne, Fonda was kind of a go-to actor for Ford. Okay, okay. Um, I, it, just as we're going through kind of personal history things, did you do you have any history with... Because uh, what's interesting about this movie is that it depicts real historical figures but seems to have no interest in history itself <laughs> do you have any history with sort of the doc holiday wider okay corrals i mean does that does that story have any meaning to you beyond this movie okay i'm, I'm going to give you a very strange answer um when i was uh, a teenager there was a show on television called police story and this would have been circa 1974 and an episode came on titled the wyatt earp syndrome that was my introduction to Wyatt Earp. How's okay. that? How's that for a stra- how's that for a strange answer? Actually, it was my introduction to the word syndrome. I had no idea what a syndrome was, uh, and it was uh, I don't really remember the episode, but I think it was about kind of a you know gunslinger. So that that's that's as far as I go, Sam. I never had a particular interest in the history. Uh, not that this film depicts the history of the OK Corral in, in, right. in any sense at all, <laughs> or 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 potentially does Wyatt Earp himself depict the history as he talks about his own life? Apparently, Ford had met Earp and, and had spent time with him, um, but but as they look at the different biographies written of him, that it all seems pretty dubious and. There's lots of different depictions, but even even beyond like events, this this movie plays with um, who the people are, who Doc Holliday like like it just it's using them as kind of archetypes that have a historical. Um, point you can point to but it's saying like we're we're not worried about no, that no. um for me be, again this is you know because of my age in high school uh the movie tombstone came out mm. so so to me um doc holiday is val kilmer and i actually think that's a great val kilmer performance in mm-hmm. the movie tombstone so i was a little worried like well no one's gonna live up to to uh to to, to kilmer in that but that that's sort of the version of the story and i don't know that that story is any particular accuracy either but that was the only other reference point that i had so it was interesting watching this and thinking like i thought back to tombstone and much like this i was like I don't even remember what the shootout at the OK Corral is about. Like, I just know that it, it ends there, right? But it's like um, that movie seems far more interested in building up to this point. Mm-hmm. This movie, it almost feels like, well, we should probably resolve that that story. Like, we we that's that's the first part of the story. But again, that also doesn't seem necessarily like what this movie's interested in. What is this movie interested in? This movie, I think, is interested in. Um Doc Holliday versus Wyatt Earp. Um, I think it's it's sympathetic to both of them, but I think the movie is about what does it mean for civilization to move west. So you could say the movie is, in a sense, a little bit about Manifest Destiny. It's a little bit about um, taming the Wild West. Uh, one little grace note in the film about this is at the beginning of the film, in the barber shop, the barber hasn't quite mastered the art of this chair, which he says came from Chicago. At the end of the film, he has a new chair from Kansas City. 
So that that tells you something about the you might say the march of of, of civilization. And Clementine is kind of the the pivotal figure, right? Because she comes from the east in order to bring Doc back from the west, and Doc represents kind of the west at its most unruly. Uh, he lives kind of outside the law. He's a gambler. He's uh, he drinks too much. He just seems to be living kind of on on the edge. And she comes back to reel him in. She can't reel him him in. He's kind of lost. But she can bring civilization to the town. So at the end, she's going to stay on as the archetypal figure of civilization with the the schoolmarm. So to me, that's really what the film is about. The film is about is about civilizing. Uh, the film is about taming the West. The film is about establishing who is in and who is out in your society. Well, it's interesting because the the the, the film is called My Darling Clementine, and it takes a while for any reference to her, even let alone her showing up. Mm. You know, and um, and I, you know, one of the things I was thinking about as I was thinking about this, you know, the conversation we're going to have is like, oh, I definitely want to talk about who Wyatt Earp is and who Doc Holliday is. So we have those two men and then we have these two women and the women are not particularly as developed of characters. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was thinking about Clementine and and her story. And if you were to, instead of this being about the events at Tombstone, if you were to make a film about Clementine coming from Boston to Tombstone, mm-hmm. okay, this is going to be an overstatement and I realize who I'm talking to here, but it's like, it's kind of like Heart of Darkness, right? It's like it's like like isn't going west and like because even if you think about who Doc Holliday is, clearly he is this character from and I'm using quotes whenever I say this word from civilization, mm-hmm. right? I mean he knows Shakespeare. He can pick mm-hmm. up when the actor when the actor you know can't finish the the to be or not to be speech. He can do that. He's a doctor. He's a surgeon. He's all, right. Like there, there's all this stuff about him, but as he goes west, it's like that stuff gets stripped away. And there is this distinction, and they, they make this in the film between when they call him Doc Holiday and when they call him Doctor Holiday. Mm-hmm. And I realized, oh, her story is a little bit of a heart of darkness story. Yeah. Is that a major overstatement? No, I th- I think that's actually kind of a brilliant insight, Sam. And I'm uh, I'm ashamed that I didn't think of it. Uh, no, she's kind of the intended, right? Um, who has this image in in, in Conrad's story of of the of Kurtz, which is quite different from where the person Kurtz has become. So you're right. I mean, she keeps asking about Doctor John Holiday, and like, who, who are you talking about? Oh, oh, Doc Holiday. So yeah, I think that's actually a really interesting point. But what's also interesting is that she ends up having far more agency than any Conradian woman has, especially in Heart of Darkness. So I told you that I, w- I went into this movie with trepidation, and as it started even, I was like, I don't know if this is going to be for me. Um, I, I actually, like, I wasn't sure. I, now, as has been my, my habit the last probably 10 movies, I ended up watching this twice, which mm-hmm. for me, I realized if I have time in the week is really helpful. Mm-hmm. Because I actually, I thought at the beginning, when I first started watching this, I thought I was surprised how much I didn't think this movie looked very good. Mm-hmm. The second time I watched it, I felt very differently about that. I think there's a little bit of roughness early. I hate the opening credit sequence. Yeah. Um, for one thing, it's it sounds like I'm about to watch a musical because there's like, it, it, it's like a, a musical montage of these things. And, and I got worried and I thought, this is not going to be a cowboy musical. Is it Barrett? Did you give me that? It is not that. Um, but then even like some of, the, because I think they're shooting day for night mm-hmm. out there. And, mm-hmm. and like it, some of that stuff doesn't look as great. And I wasn't sure. Um, and then, you know, the, the first, there's sort of three acts to this story. Mm-hmm. You know, the first part is the, you know, kind of leads to the death of James and the introduction into Tombstone. 
Then there is the second act, which is a lot of what you're talking about, where the main character in some ways becomes Tombstone. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, what? it's almost Holiday and and Earp wrestling for the soul of Tombstone. <laughs> like, like, what is Tombstone going to be? Is it going to continue to be this frontier town or is is the the inevitable march of quote unquote civilization coming right and and erp is part of that i mean holiday even asks him are you um are you here to oh, what is the word he says yeah he says um are you are you here to deliver us from evil <laughs> um you know and, and so there is this sense of like like who how are we supposed to think about how are we supposed to think about that and i have to say that act of the movie I just got more and more into even the first time I watched it. And by the time we get to the church dance, mm-hmm. I was so thoroughly charmed by this movie. And I just thought, this is really great. <laughs> and I and I totally forgot about why they were there. And and then it was like, oh, yeah, I guess we have to do the Clanton stuff, too. Um, like, so, so this movie won me over. And I was not on board with it. Then the second time I watched it, because I knew where we were headed, I could watch that first part and be like, oh, I get – now I get what this is. I was less – my guard was down then. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually thought – some of that stuff looked a lot better than I thought it did. Um, things like that. So, so this is a movie. I have to say, John Ford won me over with this movie, and I actually I really liked. I really really liked this um, this film. Now it's interesting. We think about Erp. You talk about Erp as this this uh, character that in this in this sort of battle for the soul of Tombstone with with Holiday, he's the person who represents maybe more order civilization these types of things but what's fascinating is erp seems to be in some ways less of that i mean like mm. like like holiday actually has the history of that i mean i get the sense i mean what we learn about erp is that he was a he's the marshal in dodge city before this so he's sort of a law and order character but not necessarily a deeply civilized character but maybe um a moral character, mm-hmm. but not necessarily a civilized character where you see Holiday as somebody who is probably who has the background of civilization, but maybe not the moral compass of somebody like um, like Earp. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, I also think there's a sense in which it's not just that Earp civilizes Tombstone, but Tombstone civilizes Earp. Um, you know, there's two kind of, well, there's three main locations in, in Tombstone, but the two I'm thinking of is the saloon versus the tonsorial parlor. And haircuts and shaves play a, play a really significant role in, in this film. So the beginning, of course, you know, Wyatt is heavily bearded. And so the shave, the initial shave, and of course he says at the beginning, what kind of town is this where I, mean, I can't, get a, can't get a shave, right? Uh, and there's gunfight that interrupts his, his first experience with, with the barber. By the end, you have that fantastic scene, one of the best scenes in the film, where he's been given this really major makeover. And he's got, you know, his hair is kind of slicked down and the barber holds up this mirror and he sees himself in the mirror and then in the background you see Tombstone. And it's kind of like this. And he, he looks in the mirror almost like, is that me? Is that really Wyatt Earp? So there's a sense in which, and I think part of what's happened is he's come under the influence of Clementine, although it's very subtle. 
right? But from the minute she gets off the stage, and he can't even finish the sentence, you know, usually so-and-so is here, uh, and he just, his voice just kind of trails off. So to me, that's one of the really fun things about the film is without being overt about it, Clementine is having a civilizing effect on him. And so the preparation in the, in the barbershop prepares him to dance, which, me, which, is, which is kind of the, the climax of that part of the film, the notion that for Ford, a dance is kind of the ultimate expression of community, um, uh, community cohesion. And of course, it's a dance in front of a, in front of a nascent, nascent church. And so that, to me, is um, there's a sense that it is Tombstone itself kind of acting on, on, uh, on Earth. Like once you put down a town, no matter how wild that town is, things are going to start to happen that means that it's going to become more civilized. Well, and, and the, the, the backdrop... Uh, the action backdrop to that haircut is also this almost eerie exodus. Not exodus. Um, what's the opposite of an Wait, exodus? A procession. I yeah, 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 yeah. Like people, because people coming in yeah. from. Because uh, because the other thing we need to say is Tombstone is tiny, <laughs> but there's like it's just this flow of people coming in, and you don't know where they're going at first, and at first nobody mentions it, but you're just like, why is there this slow? procession of people and it turns out that that is the church you know and and there is this sense that like you know this isn't a camp meeting this is regular church and we're going to have a church bell and i love at the dedication you know the 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 fiddle player says you know i'm we don't have it the the first church of tombstone it doesn't have a name yet it doesn't have a preacher but it's dedicated it's here and it's and 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 you know and the mayor mentions you know like i've I uh, I never thought I would hear church bells in yeah, Tombstone. Yeah. Like so that is definitely a sign that if we were to come back to this town in 3 years, maybe less, like it was already going to start to feel different. There's this sort of inevitability to this this thing coming. And that <clears throat> that procession into town, maybe this is a bit of a, re- a stretch, but that procession into town is kind of a it's kind of a reversal of the opening image of the cattle being driven west by mm-hmm. right, the procession coming coming into town, and then you get that another fantastic shot. You get the kind of the little bit of the town in the foreground, the incomplete church tower, and then the mesa in the background. And so Ford Ford never forgets or never lets us forget visually that civilization always exists in tension with what is wild and outside civilization and there's a sense in which they they need each other for i mean ford never really rejects I mean, he he never really rejects the outside he he has a certain sympathy for the outsider but he recognizes that there's a price to pay to be either inside or outside yeah i i mean if we're thinking about major characters in this this uh this film i mean monument valley is is one of them and i love the way you first see it when they're driving cattle mm-hmm. and you get I mean I realize this it's it's sort of the timing when this was made like I wish this picture was wider screened like mm-hmm. at least the the version that I saw was yeah. the aspect ratio is pretty square and it's sure. like I just want this to go on <laughs> wider and I realized if this was probably made 10 years later we would get the mm-hmm. kind of panavision like big wide um but you see, you see Monument Valley there, but but then you see the when you're in Tombstone, you see that same backdrop, and you mm-hmm. see the you know that that it doesn't it doesn't um, get away from that, and that and that at times like dwar- I love how it dwarfs the action. Like you have this cattle drive and these people on horses, which you think of as this big thing, but it's nothing when you get the wide view of the landscape, and it's like it, and even even the people seem dwarfed by 
the expanse and you know the loneliness of this mm-hmm. this backdrop as well i thought i i love the way that that is a character and in the same way the town of tombstone is a character um i love when we first encounter tombstone it's at night and my first note that i wrote to myself was there's a lot of extras in this movie <laughs> like cause, because i you know I, and it's funny thinking about tombstone at night and tombstone in the morning mm-hmm. and they're 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 polar opposites at night it is there it is just wall-to-wall people in the saloon you really don't have a sense of this the town seems bigger at night because you can't see the mm-hmm. distance right mm-hmm. you can only see across the street and you see there's another building there um so so at first i i had this picture of tombstone when they first get there it's much bigger mm-hmm. and there were all these people and it's so loud mm-hmm. uh, i thought the sound in this movie is great because there's also parts where the sound entirely drops out but it's so loud um and then like how the effects of like what a gunshot does to all of these people you know um and then you get the next morning and you realize tombstone is barely an outpost like there is a couple there's a there's a couple <laughs> rows of buildings and um and there's this sense of like oh this is not at all what i thought it was and mm. you, you know it reminds me of being a little kid i remember we used to take road trips and sometimes we would get somewhere at night Mm. And I would have one view of what the place was. And then I would yep. look in the morning and realize this is not where I thought we were, yep. you know? Yep. So it, he, he managed to capture that effect really well. Yeah. I experienced that as a kid on camping trips too. You know, you're right. You arrive somewhere in the middle of the night and then you wake up the next morning. It's like, it's a whole, it's a whole different world. Yeah. I mean, when I think about tombstone in the day, I think about uh, Wyatt on the porch. Uh, that's kind of a quintessential uh fonda pose with his with his feet up on the on the foot up on on the pole and it has a very different kind of uh feel to it and and that of course is another one of those tensions right the night and day tension and the uh night is a time of excess and uh, and revelry i should also add that i'm grateful to ford for uh disregarding historical accuracy since uh he's put tombstone about 300 miles away from where it actually is <laughs> right um because he wants monument valley which is one of the reasons i wanted to watch this film because you got to see monument valley if you're going to watch a Ford film. Um, I also I thinking about um, about about Herb. I love the. I do, I mean I assume there's something iconic about sort of the silhouette of Herb, the way he's sitting there. Like I don't know that I've ever seen that before, but the second I saw it, I thought, oh, he just like this is this is clearly an iconic mm-hmm. thing. Um, and and you know even just the sort of the look of the town as they're walking to church and, and the way the town almost feels bigger at that moment as they're taking that long walk and they I think they turn that corner for the first it's the only time in the movie you, you turn the corner and walk in that um, walk in that other uh, that other direction um, and then you get the at the at the end you know speak, speaking again of sort of the layout there is this the great this great shot of Clementine as erp rides off and it's clearly like his view looking back at her and it's basically just her against the landscape Mm -hmm. and there's a little bit of like fencing but you don't even see the town there and you just see uh you see what she has in front of her in turn you know if she is sort of this civilizing force and this the school is coming and these types of things um it is it's both like this lonely image but it's also an image filled with a kind of hope that like you know she she represents something she brings something that way there aren't many children in the film that i can recall right i'm not not exactly sure who she's gonna school but yeah well well but but again there's not many people in the town except when there is you know so there is this sense that like 
there is this broader community somewhere that all this is drawing from. I mean, these are, I don't know if people are homesteading there mm-hmm. or, you know, have ranches or things like that. But um, there is this this sense that like that's, how, you know, and, and also like with the church, it's like, how do you how do you bring those people in? Well, you start to establish, right. you know, you start to establish um, those things. Um, performance wise, I was not familiar with with Victor Mature as an actor mm-hmm. besides his name, and I have to say, I have always thought. Wow, what a bold stage name Victor Mature is. And then I realized that's just the guy's name. That's just, that was the name he was born with. It's a very, very well-named looking person. Um, and again, in my head, he was competing with Val Kilmer. So I was like, well, I'm not going to. I thought he was really good in this movie. Um, I loved the scene where he is sitting in his room. Um, there's, this film has some good reflections in it, right? And he's staring at his diploma and looking really looking at himself um you know and and i I thought that was like another like kind of great moment of him wrestling with you know with who am i you know which which one of these things am i am i the person i see in my reflection in the reflection or am i the thing that's reflecting it which is the sort of symbol of his education and his past life and these types of things. Yeah, and that's the scene. I'm glad you mentioned that because I forgot to earlier, Sam. That scene where he's looking at the diploma and the, and the uh, glass serves as a mirror and he smashes it. Um, that is the direct contrast to the scene I talked about earlier where Earp's looking into the mirror and seeing kind of the new Wyatt Earp. So on the one hand, you have this sort of rebirth uh, through the agency of Clementine and you have this kind of continued path of self-destruction because holiday can't 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 he says he's not the man that she's that that she's looking for i also have to say one other thing i want to say about clementine and 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 erp is after he brings her bag her duffel in from the coach i love the scene where his brothers are having breakfast and uh, morgan keeps spooning the sugar into his coffee right and 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 i love the economy of that because what ford is saying is something big is going on here and he doesn't he doesn't hit you over the head with it. He uh, he just watch wants you to watch the brothers' reactions and see that tells you that something's happening. Um, oh, I, I need to say one other thing because I also wrote in my notes what a difference a haircut makes or a difference a shave makes. It also that middle act also allows for somehow Ford slips in a great running joke about the perfume. There's at least three great jokes where, where, I mean, when, when Clementine comes out and she's like, I love your town in the morning. It's so clear and so clean. I can hear, I can smell the, like the, the desert blooms. And he just has to say, that's me. And, and then he says me barber, right? Which I love because it's a contrast between she thinks, Oh, this is nature. And he's saying, no, it's civilization. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, one one question that I did have, uh, and I'm curious your if you tracked with this or your thoughts on this. How long of a period of time do you think this movie takes place? In? I, I, that's a really good question because I feel like between the scene in the in, in the saloon when it's clear that they're going to become friends with Holiday, and the next scene, I'm not sure how much time has gone by. There's, I remember asking myself about that, Sam, because at one point I felt like it could be weeks, it could be months, I don't know. There's one indicator where it almost appears like this takes place over four days, which okay. I, because he says when, when he, um, 
when it becomes clear to Earp that Holiday has sent Clementine away, mm. and he says to her, "She's the second person in three days." Oh, you've that's t- right. So, so which also made me step back and be like, "This transformation in Earp is happening quickly," um, and, and that that's why I do think like the shave and the haircut, like like that, because so much of it is a visual transformation mm-hmm. because some elements of him you can see in. Uh, you know, you can see from the very beginning, you know, but but there is like the, the visual transformation. Some of that stuff happens quickly. So there's a chance that this because I also wonder, like, if this is weeks, it's like, why are they not more aggressively trying to solve their brother's death? Right. So I, I really actually think this might be that short of a period of time. Well, I feel like there's two time frames. I feel like there maybe is what you might call a realistic uh, chronological time frame, but I think there's a psychological or, or um, emotional time frame because I feel like he and Doc become faster friends than could ever happen in only three days. So it's almost like Ford's playing. It, it's kind of like in, in Shakespeare's Othello. You really can't stop and think carefully about how much time is actually going by because there's not enough actual calendar time to go by for some of the things to have happened that are referred to. So I kind of feel like he's working with an emotional time scale versus a chronological time scale. Mm-hmm. I also, and you mentioned this, love the I love the scenes of Doc and and Earp together, and I like um, if if you look at a movie like Tombstone, um, those characters had already had encounters before, so like they were kind of already friends. I, I like I love the scene when they first meet at the bar, and when Holiday pulls his gun, and Earp just sort of pulls back and says, "I can't." And then, and then, so so Holiday has this moment of like, okay, so we know who's the power here. And then when the gun slides over and it's from his brother, and he's like, and those two guys are my deputies; they're my brother. And it's sort of, like it's a great, really quick, like people sizing up the power in this particular city, and that they come to this sort of, you know, uneasy alliance. Um, and I love, I love the fact that Erp, at least at times, doesn't carry a gun, right? That he is—he's the lawman, and because that's also representative of like law is a different kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Law is not this thing where we're just going to shoot things out. I mean, even when he, even at the OK Corral, mm-hmm. when um, the, the Glanton father is the the one that's left, right? And he says, you know, I'm not going to kill you. Uh, or, or no, actually, before it starts, he says, I want to give you a chance to submit to proper authority, right? And and uh, and I just, I, f- I just find like like so so he's always that character and even one of the, one of the like great little moments is when the 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 deacon from the church comes and says you know we're we're not gunfighters but we want to stand with you and first thing Erp says is you know is you know this is a family affair right but then those guys are there when they're ready mm-hmm. to go yeah. and he gives them shotguns but do you notice he takes all of the ammunition out of the shotgun so like those guys are guarding the jail I presume or like um, they're deputized to do that but he's He's like, I am going to save you from using this, you know? So even if something goes down, like, your hands are going to be clean here. Um, because cause he, cause that's where we see Erp also, in the same way Holiday rides that line between civilized and uncivilized, Erp is as well. Because uh, the reason he takes the job is to... Uh, not exactly revenge, but it is sort of that. It's sort of saying, like, how can I, within the bounds of the law get uh avenge my brother's death you know um so so i actually i I like how erp also has that but he's thinking about how do i keep this town clean from this at the same time well that's interesting point sam because letting letting clanton go is neither legally appropriate 
right? If he's really going to stand up for the law, he should mm-hmm. just take him into custody. Nor is it at the same time personal revenge because he doesn't just shoot him. Mm-hmm. So he finds the kind of um, compromise, right? We're just going to let you sort of wander wander the wilderness. But then, of course, justice demands that he get killed anyway. Right, so, right. Uh, yeah. And it's and you get. I think it's Morgan, right? It's, Who? Yeah. No, no, it's Doc. I thought, oh, no, no, Doc's, no, dead, no, by Doc's dead by then. You're yeah, right. It's, yeah. it's, Mor- it's Morgan. Um, one other thing I want to say about the scene, when because uh, I think it's important when uh, Doc and Wyatt first meet, is the champagne whiskey contrast. Yes. So, you know, it, it, which is really, it's ironic in a way because Doc is sort of an outlaw figure and yet he wants him to have this civilized champagne and you know, or Wyatt wants nothing to do with that. He really, he really wants the the, the whiskey. Um, and there is a uh, in the original cut of the film. That's that's there's a longer conversation between the two of them, in which Earp makes very disparaging comments about the champagne. Hmm. Hmm. That's really interesting. You know, I I I I, I loved that as well. When we get to the shootout, too, the other thing that struck me was, and maybe this is the fact that my brain has been so addled by the way action style movies get made now like just how quickly that scene goes like Mm -hmm. it is clear ford is saying we're gonna do this but this is not what this is about this was not a movie where it's like how can i lay the track to get to a big show where a movie like tombstone kind of is it's like we're gonna do all of this other stuff because we want to get to the big set piece and and um you know i found that i found the shootout both, I was both able to track with it and I was very confused geographically where people were because it seemed like they were just walking up to the corral and then all of a sudden they're ducking behind yeah. buildings, um, which actually was effective because it's sort of like um, uh, a, a moment like this is, like I said, is not the key point. It's also moments like this kind of are confusing, even to the extent where right before the shootout starts, this uh, carriage comes by and just kicks up mm-hmm. all this dust. So it's like even this is the fog of war. Like, like, <laughs> like this is not a clean thing where it's clear what happens, you know, like, like we have to kind of piece it together. And even Earp doesn't know what happens to Holiday because Morgan has to tell him, you know, about that. Yeah, and, and even to the extent that we have any kind of accurate historical information about the shootout, supposedly it took about 30 seconds. Yeah. So, so even in that sense, it's a little bit longer in the film. Yeah. So, uh, so maybe let's get to the 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 ending of this movie because actually Ford had a different ending. I mean, slightly different ending. Um, and as I was reading about this, I was a little confused. Was this movie taken away from him at the end? Because it seems like it's re-edited. It, he has a longer cut, and it gets edited by Zanuck and somebody else, right? Yeah. So, um, and actually, uh, there's a there's a nice DVD set in which you can watch what we have of the pre-release version. We don't have the first reel, the pre-release version, but everything else we have. Um, yeah, it's interesting because you know producers get often get a bad rap and we've talked about Zanuck in the past Zanuck was very savvy um, I didn't get a chance to watch the, the entire extras but I did watch about five or six instances of where I could see what Ford had originally shot and what Zanuck did um, and first of all in general Zanuck as you mentioned shortened the film by about a half an hour and I felt like almost every change that Zanuck made was was very strategic um, the most significant one, which I originally disagreed with, but then I, when I watched the film in context, I actually liked, is the way that Ford shot it, there's no Clementine theme when she first comes off the coach. You hmm. don't get a Clementine theme until she goes into Holiday's room. And even then, it's very subtle and very quiet. I like that. 
and then Zanuck puts it in from the beginning. But then when I watched it in the context of the film, it actually worked. So I don't know the details whether, you know, Ford and Zanuck watched uh, uh, the preview cut in July of 46. And I don't know if it was, and, and, and I, I don't know the detail as to why Zanuck then, he wrote a long letter to Ford telling him some of the things he was unhappy with. And I don't know if Ford at that point said, fine, you do with it what you want, or if Zanuck kind of took it out of his hands. I've never read that Ford was upset about the changes. Mm-hmm. And, I, and as I said, I think actually at a half an hour shorter, it's probably it's probably a better film. But it is ironic, especially when you um, when you read about the film through the eyes of kind of the auteur theory of, of, you know, here's Ford, the great auteur. And I guess you could say essentially there's nothing in the film that isn't Ford, but still it is interesting that it's not entirely Ford. It's Ford and Zanuck. Uh, Zanuck even reshot some scenes. Uh, he brought in a journeyman director named Lloyd Bacon. Uh, and so we know, for example, actually we think that the grave scene at the beginning was actually reshot by Lloyd Bacon when Wyatt is talking to James's uh, grave, and they changed the name evidently of James's intended because um, uh, originally it was something like Nancy, and they didn't think that was Western enough. So then she became Corey Sue or whatever it is. And, uh, th- this is nitpicky, but like, is that grave shot? If that was in fact reshot, is that in a studio like with a rear yeah. projection kind? Because of, I, I was yeah. going to say there were yeah. there were moments, and this was the first time I watched it where I thought this doesn't look great. Yeah. As I thought that other parts of this look like they are there yes. and this i'm pretty sure they're not okay that that makes me feel a lot better yeah. too because i was like why did ford do yep. that because um, it seems like you could have been able to shoot this they you know on location but that makes a lot of sense then yeah and then they changed james's age for some reason and of course in reality james was the older brother right um, so right. You know, one more of those historical changes so uh in a movie that's playing with history and sort of making it whatever it wants it to be, uh, what is your thoughts about the ending, about Earp, you know, giving her a kiss and leaving and, and sort of this, because it is, there is this sort of like burgeoning romance between them and there is chemistry between them. And then, so what do you see as the meaning of the, the Earp, the remaining Earp brothers leaving yeah. and Wyatt kind of looking back at her? And it's not, I mean, it, it's clear that he has deep affection for her and for what she brings to Tombstone. Um, so how, what, what what meaning do you attach to them go, continuing West? I think uh, that's a really good question, Sam. And I, and I think it's part of that tension that I was mentioning earlier, the tension between being the outsider and the insider. And the, and the idea that while civilization has tamed Earp, there's a fundamental almost wild energy about Earp that has enabled him to do to achieve what he's achieved. And so I think what the film is sort of suggesting is you can't you can't fully tame a man like Wyatt Earp. And maybe he'll come back, maybe he won't, but he's not quite ready to kind of settle down. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um other other little notes that I had that um the uh, one was a note and one was a question. Um uh, Francis Ford, John Ford's brother, is yes. in this. So he was also in the Oxbow incident. So it was, it was, it was. He plays uh, Dad, I think, is is the yep. character's name. Um, and then uh, the other, this is a question: Have we seen Walter Brennan in a film, or what do I know him from? He was, um, he he was on TV a lot, and okay. I and I can't remember what old TV show he was on, but he was an old geezer. That voice of his is so distinctive. Well, that because that was it. Is when I saw him, oh, yeah. I was like, okay, who is this person? 
and and I was just I was trying to figure out like why is it that I know this person? He's got such a distinct voice, and um, so I was just I was just I kept first I thought it was. Um, Walter Houston, mm, you know, because mm-hmm. they're, they're, you know, his uh, Treasure of Sierra Madre character is like, oh, maybe it was similar. It's like, it's clearly not him, but it's like, there's something about this guy that's familiar. So I was curious if I had encountered him before. Yeah. And if we were doing this, uh, if we were uh, in different places and I was on the internet, I would be right now Googling that to try to remember what TV <laughs> right. show he was on. Hey, by the way, since you mentioned Treasure of the Sierra Madre, that uh, one of the other f- five directors came back, John uh, Houston, and we watched Treasure of Sierra Madre quite a while ago. That was his first film after World War II as well. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so so we've we're, hit we're, almost all of them. We got almost all of them, yeah. <laughs> wow, wow. Uh, other things you want to talk about with this movie? Yes, uh, at least two things. Um, I love the bartender, Mac. Yes. Um, I forget the character's name, um, the actor's name, but um, I, I love the line towards the end where uh, Wyatt says to Mac, have you ever been in love? He says, oh, I've been a bartender my whole life. <laughs> And then the other scene that we haven't talked about at all, which is one of the great scenes in the film, and you alluded to it, is the Shakespearean soliloquy. Yes. And, uh, you know, the to be or not to be, and the fact that, you, as you earlier mentioned, you know, Doc is this man from civilization, and the way he finishes the soliloquy with obvious personal applications. And I just love the close-up of Earp. I mean, the close-up of Doc saying the lines and then the close-up of, of Orp kind of looking at him and the realization, at that point, Wyatt knows this This is a dead man walking. And I just I just, lo- I just love that scene. I also I also love, a little earlier in that scene, when they first walk in, right? I mean, they're there to get Thorndike and bring him to the theater, but they walk in and he's giving this speech, and instead of them, like, interrupting and saying, okay, we, we, they're all just enraptured mm-hmm. watching him, or at least the two of them are, the the... The Clantons maybe less so. There, it's just more poetry to them. But there is this sense that both, both um, Earp and Holiday are like, oh, let's let's actually let's watch this. Yeah. Let's take this in. Um, I also loved in the th- the theater scene before that when um, <laughs> one of the people in the crowd yells out, "All we all we ever get are bird imitators." <laughs> it's like I guess that's what passes for entertainment. So like you know, having an actor come in and and perform would be. But even I mean, much like the church bells, right? Shakespeare in Tombstone right, right. is a, yet another sign of like, okay, this is a this is a town with a theater, and you can and and you can get high culture here mm-hmm, when it's mm-hmm. not bird imitators right. yeah the hunger for culture in, indeed yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 and that's historically quite accurate people really did crave those shakespearean performances well i have to say this movie again my guard was up i <laughs> i didn't think i was gonna like it i it makes me want to see more john ford western specifically to be like okay i trust him now it's like okay you can like like you you won me over so if i was gonna watch another john ford western what would you say uh i i gotta tell you too sam you gotta go back to stagecoach um and then the searchers okay and i think i believe the searchers is widescreen uh certainly monument valley uh so yeah i also i also need to say i i I was I was expecting this movie to be in color, and when it was mm-hmm. in black and white, that actually because I, I think I've when I've seen John Houston or John uh, Ford uh, referenced, you know, I, I think I even mentioned last week Frederick Remington paintings, mm-hmm. and there, this definitely looks like Frederick Remington's art. But I'm used to the like color version of really, I mean, because the, they really look like Frederick Remington paintings then mm-hmm. once they're in color. So I was a little taken aback, like, oh, this is this is a black and white film um, as well. So yeah, I I, I definitely want to uh, want to visit. Uh, a little more John Ford. I can't believe I'm saying this out loud, but I definitely want to see more. Well, if you want a color film, he did a three uh, a, a trilogy called the uh, the Calvary trilogy, and she wore a yellow ribbon. 
uh, with John Wayne is is a color film. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so what do you have for us for next week? Well, you know, we're on a run of westerns uh, for better for better for ill, and so uh, it's and I'm just going to go chronologically, and so but this is roughly a theme of law. And, and the Wild West. So I think the next stop has to be uh, High Noon uh, with Gary Cooper, um, which I haven't seen in a number of years. And so I think that'll be another another perspective on the law, man. Uh, I'm very excited for this. This is a movie I've never seen. This, yeah. is, a, this, is, this is a quite famous movie, mm-hmm. though. Um, I'm trying to remember... Uh, at least for sure one of the presidents this was their favorite like one of the recent presidents this was their favorite mm. movie and they watched it over like they saw themselves in I think they saw themselves as president in sort of the the struggles at the at the the core of high noon so I'm really really interested this this is this is one that's just sort of been on my movies I should watch list that I haven't gotten around to so I'm I'm very very excited for for this well we haven't done Gary Cooper so it gives us Gary Cooper and then we get a little bit of Grace Kelly uh, before she became the princess of Mon- all right well barrett thank you so much for recommending this film for having this conversation i feel like this is this is one of those where i liked the movie the first time i saw it was charmed by it really liked it the second time i like it more after this conversation um i wouldn't be surprised if i go back and say i gotta watch this again maybe pull pull my daughter in and say let's watch let's watch this trust me this is going to be interesting so i really 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 enjoyed this so thank you so much for recommending this that is all the time that we have but we will be back next week to talk about high noon in the video store (laughs) 